trust each of you had a handout um, this evening. It'll be a little different than the norm. Uh, we've had testimonies in the past, and typically our normal speakers would come and share, and uh, we're going to try a, a more of a Bible study. It's not quite a roundtable format, but a, a room format, not a one-on-one -on -one Bible study, but a group Bible study. Um, several have suggested this, so let's uh, we'll in, try to enjoy that, uh, enjoy that tonight. Um, certainly, from a message perspective, if someone's preaching, it's kind of one directional, right? The topic is there, we're studying a, a book, or it's being preached, um, certainly with application or teaching. Typically, that's one direction as well. But Bible study, I see it, there's a little bit of a difference. Um, there's a little bit of more interaction uh, that goes on with it. So think of that. So we have corporate interaction, so feel free to share as we look to, to study this. It's not just about me having the information. We as a group have knowledge, have information that we can share one with another. I can grow as well. So think of that uh, as, we, as we get into it. Now, uh, the Bible study structure, it's helpful. Like when we get into this, I'm just going to lay a few things as far as some groundwork. If we just kind of opened it up, it might just get out of hand, if you will. So at least some uh, structure, a method is good. Steve Stadola, um, early, probably in the summer, uh, shared with me a resource, one-on-one -on -one Bible study. And of course, we're not one-on-one, -on -one, but there were some good methods in there, um, and which I looked at, gleaned from, and some additional things that I've, I've learned. We kind of uh, put some things together that we'll share, and we'll do that uh, even this evening. Now, one of the things, topically, we can study the Bible, but topically, where are we going to go as far as the scriptures are concerned? And I thought, well, when we study the scriptures, we as a church are in the middle of right, discerning God's will for our pastor. And early on, the, uh, the pulpit advisory group, as we met, we said, well, and I shared with you guys this. We said we can either be in a frantic frenzy and just kind of go willy-nilly uh, with our head, chickens with their heads cut off and we need a pastor, or we can be patient and wait on the Lord. And as we as a group were meeting together, said, let's focus on God's word. What are some scriptures that would help guide us, lead us during this time? And as the men were maybe in their own devotions or at least verses the scripture, the, the spirit brought to them, we shared them with each other and we kind of compiled them together. So it's like, this is what each of us are thinking as far as God, the spirit leading us, guiding us as we move through this process. And that was a handful of verses like, you know what? It'd be great to meditate, to study those as a church. Uh, if that's helping to lead our advisory group, Let's see as a church how it can help us even work together. So that's where we where we started from. That's where I got the um, the topic uh, for for tonight. So maybe the next couple of Sunday evenings that I'll I'll lead this type of uh, Bible study. We'll look at those. Your handout. Let me get mine out. So the Bible study method. I kind of adapted it in a couple of ways, and all. I'll share this with you, and we'll kind of use this as our basis uh, on the front side of the paper. So questions to ask. When we study the Bible, when you study it personally or when we study it uh, corporately, there are a few things to ask. And Floyd, you'll like this. Do you see kind of the acronym that's there? C-P-A. 
but we are instructed to prove all things. So let's use the word of God and do that. So, so a couple of questions to ask. Let's list those C's for us. I would ask, what is the content of the passage? That's the first C. So what's the content? So when we read a passage, it's there in front of us. We don't have to guess. Just look what's there. And the second C, Rick has mentioned this often, is the context of the passage. So often when you're looking at the Greek or other uh, languages, it's helpful to understand the, the meaning from the context of how it's used. So not only the content is important, but where is it placed? Some of the background information that preachers might share with us, that's kind of helpful because it kind of puts it, puts it where it belongs. And the last C, some things to understand, how does God provide commentary? It's cross-reference. The last C is cross-reference. So God's own commentary on the scriptures. We might look elsewhere uh, to say, well, I don't quite understand this, but I know God has said something else about it. Let's cross-reference with another passage in scripture. So the first thing is just to understand it, the content, the context, and the cross-references. You, you might ask this. It starts with a, but it's not a C. If you have any questions, right? You, you might read the verse and you're like, hey, I've got a question. You know, that's good too, because then we can research and we can find that out. And we can study, uh, study that portion of it. All right. So point number two, other questions to ask. It's good to have the content and context and if you have any questions, but let's dig a little further. Are there any precepts that God gives me? Now, what's a precept? Foundational truth, and it's very specific. You, you can think of it as a command, right? Uh, an imperative statement. Uh, when we look at the Ten Commandments, you see the thou shalt or thou shalt not. Those very clear instructions that there's almost no wiggle room. You can be fairly dogmatic when the Bible says this, right? That's what it says. It's like, I can't get around it. So that's the precept. The second P, are there any principles? Are there any principles that I'm seeing in Scripture? Right? As we read the passage, are there any principles? And I think, uh, Scott Button mentioned this even this morning. The last P, are there any patterns? Are there any patterns in Scripture? And patterns can come in a couple of different ways. When we do topical studies, we might see a pattern of how those topics are um, portrayed in Scripture. So I can see a pattern or there might be an example a pattern that I follow. Jesus' example, the pattern that we should follow. So are there any precepts, principles, or patterns? And the last, that's all well and good, right? We have knowledge, we see what God says, but what's the A? How do I make application? How do I make application? Uh, Scott mentioned it this morning, our progressive sanctification or growing. And as we see these things in scripture, how we study it, the precepts, principles, patterns, how do I apply it to my life? And in the context of tonight, you know, as the, the pulpit advisory group was meeting together, how did we apply these verses to where we are as a church, as a group, as we're talking, discussing, trying to discern the Lord's will? Um, so keep these things in mind, and we'll move forward with that. Okay, you can flip your um, sheet over 
I printed this out for you because we all interact with our, our Bibles, our physical Bibles, a little differently. I mean, I like to be thoughtful. When I was in um, college, I would always solve the problems separately, right? Just chicken scratch, just try to get through it because you make mistakes, you erase it, and I try to get the right problem, the solution, and then when I'm handed it in, I would be very careful, cautious, meticulous, and now rewrite it and submit it. So I'm cautious exactly when I interact with my Bible, when I'm writing things, so it's like, well, oh, I made a mistake. I'm just going to erase it, or you're in pen. So this is a tool for us. So feel free to circle. Feel free to draw lines. Feel free to underline right off to the side if you're thinking certain things or seeing certain things as we study the Word of God um, and use it that way. Okay, so 1 Samuel 16, we'll get into the passage uh, tonight. Let me read it. 1 Samuel 16, we'll look, start in verse 4, and we'll move to verse 12, and then we'll see if we can't apply um, our method to it and individually go through it and glean some things from God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 4. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Father, as we uh, look to your word tonight, as we discuss, as we share, as we make observations, and then seek to apply to our lives, Lord, allow your spirit to teach us and to lead us into all truth. Lord, let us not go to the right, let us not go to the left, but let us see what is right in front of us, uh, and help us to grow in the midst of it. Lord, it's not enough just to have information. It's not enough to see what you may command or the principles in Scripture. But Lord, help us to grow as a result. Help, Lord, you want us to be set apart for your service. Help us to see how to do that. And Lord, with your power and your strength, help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first C we look at is what? The content. Okay, so from this scripture passage, from a high level, what is it talking about? 
choosing the next king. So you might even have a, a title over that, that paragraph or that section of scripture, uh, choosing the next king, and who were they choosing as king? David, good. And that is really right down toward the end. Um, other things that happened might be the process of going through that, uh, choosing the, going through the sons. And then even one more thing that it starts off with is Samuel, right? Samuel had to get to Bethlehem. So we started with Samuel going to Bethlehem. We worked through the process. And then, of course, God said, he's the king. That's what's happening as far as the content. Describe the context. So this particular scripture, we've got our Bible. Where does this come as far as where God inserts this? What's happening around this time? Okay, so just before Saul didn't do the good things, in matter of fact, Samuel said, well, he gave Saul the instruction from the Lord, um, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected thee from being king. Okay, so this is leading up to this. So Samuel just came from that, at least a few chapters uh, before. So we're talking about what nation? Okay, so as I'm reading this in context, am I thinking the United States? No, no, okay, so, but these are things to think about, right? So as instruction is given, I know it's being given to the people of Israel early on. Saul, right, was first king. David is the second one. Is Saul still king at this point? Yeah, and he's going to be king for some time, right? So that's the whole uh, chasing back and forth with Saul and David. So that's still going to happen, still to come. So this is where we find ourselves. I wrote down a couple of things. Um, yep, Israel, first king was Saul, which we hit. Saul's disobedience. As far as uh, cross-referencing, we might get to a little bit of that when we look at specific verses. Sometimes uh, the Chronicles might have a parallel passage to this. Uh, I didn't necessarily go there, but just keep that in mind as we study. All right, so that's the content. That's the context. Now let's look at the specific verses. In, instead of just saying verses 4 through 12, who saw what, let's, let's look at the first verse and try to um, glean some things. Let me, let me throw this out first. We're... We call this a Bible study. Who knows of a place in Scripture? Is it is it commanded to us that we should study our Bible? Okay, Second um, Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Okay, so we're commanded to study. Now, what's the balance of that? It's like, oh, we should always study the Scripture. Keep studying. What's the balance? We should be approved. Is there too much studying? Can we have too much study? Solomon, what did he say? So much study can be weariness to the flesh. So there is a balance. There is a balance. Um, so just keep that in mind. But I had to ask myself, when was the last time we studied the scripture? That we studied it, right? Not reading it. We, we want to enjoy the relationship with God, but study it. It might be a discipline. It might be a discipline. Okay, so just mentally be aware of that. Be aware of that. 
All right, so let's read verse 4, and then let's, let's look to see if there are any um, precepts, principles, or even patterns that we can glean from this. So verse 4 says, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? Don't be afraid to mark. Don't be afraid to ask questions. What do you see? Obedience. The very first thing, and Samuel did. That's the first thing I saw. We don't have to go very far. We're going to see things. Is obedience applicable to us today? Matter of fact, Scott just mentioned that this morning, right, in our sanctification process. Can we obey more, or can we do better at our obedience? So, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake, so obedience is something that we'll find here. What else? And how do you how do you know that? So the elders of the town trembled at his coming out. I asked myself, why are they trembling? And so, so your your first point was Samuel had a reputation, um, and comest thou peaceably, which might beg the question of what? Are you coming peaceably or unpeaceably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Samuel had a reputation. I wrote down a couple of things. So Samuel represented the voice of God. Right? He, he was the man of God. He, he brought the voice of God. So um, first off, it, was there an, is there an element of reverence that I should have for the man of God? That, that's, that's, that's the principle that I'm jotting down. Is there any reverence that I should have um, for the man of God? Is there somewhere else? Right, go ahead, Tom. Yeah. So I wrote down uh, as far as a principle because if if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, right, he's going to come to knock some heads. Or if they're not doing something they should be, right, on both sides of things, they could be being judged for what they're doing, which would say what? When I, when I wrote it down, I said honorable living, right? If I'm living honestly or honorably, I have no reason to fear. I don't have any reason to fear. Is that applicable today? Okay, we can look to the New Testament, and it's like, live godly, live righteously, let your conversation or your lifestyle be as it becometh godliness. So yes, we should be able to live honor, honestly in our, in our deportment. Uh, the other thing about reverence, it's like, he is the man of God. Uh, there are places where there were children, go up thou bald head, right? And the she-bears came out and took care of them. So Certainly, when there's a disrespect, that's frowned upon. So certainly giving respect to the man of God. Applicable for us? We don't have judges, right? We don't have judges. I get that. We're not Israel. But we are a church. And as God sends a pastor our way, 
Do I give him respect as the man of God? We know he's an under-shepherd. We know he's a human. But do I give place? Do I give respect to that? And with each of these, if it's not a precept, right, that we can't be dogmatic on it, but if it's a principle or a pattern, Lord, do you want me to change? Do you want me to grow in this area? Or how can I grow? Like, there may be some. There may be, maybe you're, you're fine. Um, but at least the question is, Lord, would you like me to do more? In, my, in your sanctifying me, can I do more? Okay, do you see anything else in verse 4? So we have obedience. We certainly have that aspect of reverence or honest in our living. Anything else in verse 4? So that's very possible, right? So they understood what he was potentially able to do, right? If I'm not doing that, which is right. Or if I'm found to be lacking in what I'm doing. Sure, there's a reason for trembling. Um, but for us, it, and if they were living honestly, right, they have no reason to fear. But let's, for us today, what can we glean from that? Certainly reverence those that are placed by God, or certainly living honestly in our in our life. Good. All right, let's look at verse 5. So when he said, comest thou peaceably? And Samuel said, peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Are there any precepts thou shalt, thou shalt not in this verse? Do we have rituals or ceremonial things that we follow in today's society with sacrifices? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Go, go ahead. Yes. Ordinances, surely they're a command, uh, which would be an application of doing things that are right. Yeah, good. What else? So sanctify was one of the words that I circle. It's like whenever you hear the word sanctify, what do you think? Cleanse, purify, right state of mind. I think of holy, right, set apart. When you, when we're sanctified, we're set apart, we're holy in that aspect. So at least now I'm thinking a, a principle of holiness set apart. So and, and that's true. Set yourself apart for something. Of course, whatever is happening here with the anointing practice, whether it's a ritual or custom, you could certainly do a little more reading on that. But if we're setting ourselves apart, we don't do sacrifices, not, not animal sacrifices, but when we hear sacrifice for us, where do we, here's the, here's a cross reference that I made. Where do we, where do we go when we think of New Testament sacrifice? 
So the cross, so Jesus sacrificed, and Romans 12, we are to be living sacrifices. We're to be a living sacrifice. So that's where I was like, okay, I'm not sacrificing an animal, but I am asked to sacrifice myself. Um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, our reasonable service. And, of course, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Okay, so as I'm setting my, sanctifying, as I'm setting myself apart for my living sacrifice, I thought, Sacrifice was often a part of worship. You know, in the in the Old Testament, they would worship God. They would respond to Him. They would sacrifice. We worship today, not the same way back then, but we worship. We we worship this morning. We worship. As a matter of fact, every day of our life should be worship. But certainly, we do something special um, on the Lord's Day. Should we do more? Sanctify yourselves, set yourselves apart in your sacrifices as a living sacrifice. Should I be set apart more? Certainly, progressive sanctification. If if God is changing me, if God is changing you, will we look more like the world or more like Christ? Yeah, more like Christ, certainly. Maybe that was a, a leading question. Maybe. Yeah. So certainly set ourselves apart. Maybe in our worship. Maybe in our daily living sacrifice. Verse 5. You guys see anything else? He, he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Yes. If we get there tonight, there are a lot of interesting observations to make uh, concerning that. And is there anything we can glean principally about that? God certainly expects, even though if we don't, yeah, I mean, we don't expect maybe somebody to be used, but God knows. God knows. Tom? Oh, let's go. So what's the principle? If I if I listen to that, if if I don't make the same mistake Jesse did, 
don't put a limitation on God and who he can use. I guess something like that. Because I would have an expectation that, well, we're going to... We're kind of looking forward, and Jesse only brought seven of his sons, not the eight. Um, whatever his expectations were, we can discuss that a little later. But sure, don't don't put a limit on what God can do. Yeah. Good. And certainly down in verse 7, that comes to light much more, uh, much more. Good. So sanctify yourselves, be set apart um, in our sacrifices. Anything else in verse 5? I don't want to beat a dead horse. Right? We can always learn more the more we meditate on it. But I had a chance to meditate last week or so, so I was prepared to help lead through this, but I know whether it's just the last couple of days, you guys had a chance to do it as well. Did you have anything, Peter? Yeah. previous chapter yeah so I didn't even see that but this is I mean as you're thinking of previous times like yes yes waiting on the Lord in his time and I think that has some application to our advisory group our pulpit group um, from others mistakes you don't want to make them all yourself yeah Good. Okay, let's look at verse 6. So when it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Right, so the first, the first son comes that Jesse brought. Any precepts, any thou shalts or thou shalt nots? I don't see any. Okay. Are, is there anything that we can glean um, as, a, as far as a principle is concerned? Lori? which would lead us, if, if I had to think of a, a principle that would help. So the failure is, right, Samuel's still human in his thoughts, and he, if we know the, the next couple of verses, so he was wrong in, in his thinking. So, okay. 
um, and again, right, the not waiting on the Lord or not, uh, instead of waiting for the Lord to declare him, there was kind of a thought that, yeah. So when I, when I circled that word, surely, um, I think I read it in a different translation. Is, is there a punctuation in the sentence? Um, I think there's an exclamation point, I think, in a couple of translations as far as surely uh, the Lord's anointed is before him. So it's, and even that word surely, it's like when we read the word verily or truly, it's a very confident word that Samuel's stating here. Surely, it's like, you, surely, this is the Lord's anointed. He's right before it right before us I, I wrote down um, confident exuberance doesn't necessarily mean the correct choice surely how can you get any more confident than that you probably can but he was rather confident um, it's like that's him that's him and as far as me, part of the, the pulpit group, it's like any one of us, any one of the six could stand up and say, isn't he a good choice? And if all the rest of us just kind of said, well, you're confident, you're exuberant, let's all just follow along. Is it possible we could be making a mistake? Could be, could be. So what's the, the principle is don't necessarily it's not the confident exuberance that guarantees the correct choice here. Be, uh, be alert, be sober, right? Be discerning, consult God, right? It's really, it's God's choice. It's God's word that we should be waiting for, not necessarily being distracted by the, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And I think it's just a caution for us. And I think there have been times just, transparently uh there have been times that we're sitting around the table and there's there's the back and forth a good balance of caution you know this is looks like good but it's like oh let's make sure we're not rushing there's a good balance that's happening so that's that's positive um to be a part of which is great and then i also asked what about eliab i had a question it's like why was eliab brought first Tom, did you have a question on something else? And I, and, I, and I wondered, and my question was, and you mentioned it, right? He's the first, he was the firstborn. He was, and actually we had to cross-reference the battle when David went to see his brothers. And it mentions um, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. Uh, Eliab is the firstborn, and, and the other two. It's like, okay, he is the firstborn, no question. Um, and then I said, well, do we take any principle from that? It's like, they did bring the firstborn in. Maybe it's a small thing, but as we 
approve, study to show ourselves approved unto God. I thought of this, like, in our in my normal dealings, it's like, okay, I've got insurance, I've got um, benefits, things of that nature. You identify primary beneficiaries, secondary beneficiaries. My kids are the secondary beneficiaries. I've got three kids. You have to divide 100% three ways. Somebody gets the extra percent. Some you you can't do thirty three point three 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 three. They just don't do that. Somebody's got to get the extra penny or the extra percent. It's like, why did I give it to Madison? It, of course, I can give it to anyone, but it's like, I give it to Madison. Uh, she's the eldest. So is there even a small amount? It's like, this is not. Um, I don't preach. You know, this isn't dogmatic in any form or fashion, but. As I seek to make choices in life, do even the small things help to influence our actions? I can't say that I looked at this passage and I said, oh, that's why I'm going to put Madison. That was just kind of like by default, it's just like the eldest, the firstborn, and maybe this rolls into our culture too. I don't know what you guys do. It just doesn't matter. Uh, I'm just saying, do we let even the small things maybe influence our activities before God? You guys want to say anything? We could have. That, that's that's correct. That's correct. You know, Sandy brings up a good point. When we have things like this, and somebody makes a different choice than we do, if it's not a precept, right? If it's a precept and a command, that, that's hard to argue with. But when we start talking principle, and people are growing individually, do we have some grace um, in the midst of some of the different decisions that we make? We should. We should. That's a good point. It's like can you argue? How can you say, you should have done this? Like, the Bible doesn't say, but but are we ready to, in everything, right, give an answer for the things that we do? Uh, so do we let the word of God influence us and impact us? Okay, good. So Eliab is the firstborn. It might be a small thing, a small principle, but surely we're not going to let that uh, confident exuberance necessarily dictate that everybody jumps on the same bandwagon. Be alert, be sober. All right, so let's let's look at verse 7. I think verse 7 is the one that the passage that we're most familiar with or it's preached often. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. The whole message could probably be preached on, on this. So what are a few things that you guys see in that? I underlined that whole thing, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, and I made a few comments on it. What principles do you, do you extract? First of all, there's an imperative. Do I consider this a precept? Look not on his countenance. So if I considered it a precept, don't look on his countenance. I'm not supposed to look at all. I'm, I'm just I'm just asking. Not exclusively. not exclusively. So let's let's look ahead because look at verse twelve. Look at verse twelve. Yeah yeah yeah. Good good Lori. So that's that's the balance of do I exclusively say I'm not supposed to look on the external because God said he's ruddy, he's got a beautiful countenance. That's all he said. 
He didn't even say, look, he's a man after God's own heart. He, he just identified the external, at least here. And he said, arise, anoint him, this is he. Good point. Um, so the external, and I wrote, uh, there's a danger. If, if we said it's a precept, look not on the external. I'm not supposed to look on the external at all, but I, I'd, miss, I'd miss David. I'd miss David. If it looks good, here's a danger. So if it looks good, it's bad. And if I just kind of highlight that principle, Saul looked good, but he wasn't uh, really turned out not that great. Um, Eliab looked good, didn't didn't turn out as God's anointed. So maybe I just create the principle: if it looks good, it's bad. Well, yes. That's correct. It's you're right. So if they were dull, would not the fear come in the spirit and say, Well, that's not my reason for keeping them? Yes. Yes. But if it's ironic that that's what the Saul ultimately it's kind of like the Tom Correct. So right so thus thus the danger of saying, Oh, I shouldn't look on the external. Go ahead, Rhonda. Good. So thus, continue looking. So if you come to a conclusion, don't be afraid to say, well, is my conclusion good? Oh, what am I missing between the two? Um, I don't think it's in this one, but I, I think I came across something similar in a maybe a future verse that we'll consider together. Um, good. So, so David had a beautiful countenance versus just the countenance. Don't just look on that, but God chose certainly one with a beautiful, uh, beautiful countenance. So that might be a part as well. Good. Um, is there, I wrote down another danger. So if, don't look on his countenance, right, his external. Of course, we just saw the, the beautiful versus just the countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. I've heard this in other contexts, but if God looks on the heart, if God truly looks on the heart, then it doesn't matter what's on the outside. Don't judge me. Don't judge me based on what I what I look like because God looks at the heart. Okay. There's also a danger in thinking that way. Um, like sometimes those are excuses people give. It's like, well, you're you're right. God is the only one that sees the heart. So what am I supposed to do? Um, Matthew, I wrote it down. So Matthew, turn with me 
let's finish with this verse. Let's um, at least with verse seven, but we'll finish finish this up. Turn to Matthew twenty three, twenty five. Matthew 23, verses, verse 25. So often when I think of outside and inside, Jesus talks about Pharisees because they're externally weighted, but often, so I thought of, oh, the sepulcher, right? They're whited on the outside, but inside they're dead man's bones. I was like, okay, let me, let me find the scripture that helps with that. And it is here, but it, it also goes a little further. So did I say verse 26 as well? 25 and 26. Actually, 27 has the um, dead man's bones. So 25 and 26. So, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside. So they're actually focused on the outside um, of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. So the inside is really not that great. So thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter that or even so that the outside of them may be clean also so kurt in the music sunday school class that you created um there's information that says you show me what kind of music a person listens to and i'll tell you what kind of person that is the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. Clean the inside first so that the outside is clean as well. The outside will take care of itself if the inside is clean. So it gives, it gives weight to the whole idea of, I see an, a really ugly outside. Well, if, if the inside was clean, I get, I get the example of um, if you have a five-gallon bucket, and you it's full of water and you put black dye in it you can keep pouring clean water in it it will take a very long time to purge you know the dye out um so if a person is changing i can see that it may take time to purge that but clean the inside so that the outside will be clean as well so those are the things to think about and first samuel 16 go ahead kurt Matthew 25, clean the heart, right? And then it takes care of the body, the head follows along, the mind does as well. Good, good. So the, what is the principle, right? So certainly uh, maybe close to a precept, don't look on just the countenance, but look on the description, the beauty of the countenance. So uh, one of the other studies that I learned from the Music Sunday School, 93% of communication happens in other than words. So the countenance, right, we can say bad, good, right? There's a lot of communication that happens. So there's a lot of awareness, a lot of discernment, a lot of discretion you can use by observing, observing that. So certainly being aware of that. Um, as far as the countenance is concerned, I wrote down, avoid the external distractions. It's like, 
Are there distractions? Because God's looking on the heart. It could be a beautiful countenance. could be a not-so-beautiful countenance. God's truly, right in verse 7, he's looking on the heart. Don't be distracted by the external. It might be okay, but just don't be distracted by that because God's looking at the heart. I should be trying to at least allow God to work to show the heart of the person, to show the heart of the person. All right, we have a few more verses, but I think I'll leave those for uh, another evening. So when we look at, of course, this is in the context of our pastoral search, so as we're seeing these things, how are we applying them? Am I being distracted by the external? I should at least caution myself. We, we should caution ourselves when we see something. Well, let's certainly ask God first. Instead of saying, surely, right, let's, let's ask God, Lord, you make it apparent, the choice that we should, that we should make. Um, what I found as I was looking through this, just a couple of comments, there are many precepts, principles, patterns in the Bible. God left much for us. We are to study. We, we get a chance to relate with our Father through, through the Bible. But he wants us to prove what is acceptable. And we do that by studying. But we find some of these in the oddest of places. Right, The first three words, we found obedience in this passage that we might think of as the anointing of David. I'm seeing obedience. I'm thinking you know, reverence and fear and honesty in my living. It's like all these things if we take time to study God's word. So as we end, um, ask ourselves when we see these principles, Lord, what would you have me to do? Don't be, and I write, I write these things to really remind myself to do them, but to really to encourage you, be convinced by God. Be convinced by the scriptures. We can talk about things, and I might say it, and you're like, oh, he said it well. You know, Rob said it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. Don't do that. Don't do that. Read the scripture. I might say it, but boy, you see it, and you're like, God said, sanctify yourselves. Lord, he's working. Lord, you're working in my heart. I want to change because you said it. Right? Be convinced by God. Um, allow him to conform you to his image and be set apart for his service. Those are my final thoughts. Do you guys have any other thoughts? We're going to end at verse 7. We'll pick up uh, in verse 8 next time. Lori. Surely, and I, one of one of us said it, it's like, and this was Samuel. 
right? He was a judge. Um, I don't know how old he was, but he started well saying Eli, right? He was in the, the temple and saying yes to God early on, but even he had trouble either going his own way first before asking God, um, making the wrong choice, even with all of his experience making that choice. I wish I had the silver bullet. I mean, so when we're talking with kid, all right, I've got three. Um, so it's like, how do I help them to get past some of those things? That's why the warning's here. That's why the warning's here. So as we see that, Lord, I'm convinced of it. Help me to apply that when I get into a situation as we're looking for a pastor. You know, help me to at least be aware that I could be tricked by the external, but Lord, Lord, direct us, right? Let us make sure we see, we see the heart. Uh, let me close in prayer. We'll have a song and we'll just end with the song tonight. Father, thank you for, this is a great evening of discussion, of learning. But more than that, uh, I thank you for the, the principles that we see in your word, principles that you can help us to grow in our daily. Thank you for this morning's message, not every other day walk, but Lord, our daily walk. Lord, the daily um, sacrifice, the living sacrifice that we live, our conversations, our lifestyles. As you desire to change us, help us to say yes to you. Lord, say no to the flesh um, so that we can walk, I think as Colossians says it, uh, well-pleasing in your sight. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for you, who you are, for being our God, uh, for working in us, not leaving us alone, not letting us do it just in our own strength, but empowering us to do it, for walking with us. In Jesus' name.